Welcome to Salisbury Sermons, a podcast ministry of First United Methodist Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. Please join me in the prayer for illumination. God of truth, we open our hearts and minds to the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, so that as the scriptures are read and proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us this day. Amen. The Old Testament lesson this morning is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 7 through 14. Hear these words. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor together. A great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd, a flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty, says the Lord. This ends the Old Testament lesson.
The epistle lesson this morning comes from the first chapter of Ephesians, verses 3 through 14. Hear these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to the holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us and the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all the things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward the redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. This ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, when you were handed your worship bulletin this morning, or if you're worshiping online and you clicked on the worship God, uh, you may have noticed there's a lot in here, including an insert. There are a lot of words. The service is awfully full because we are going to participate in a covenant renewal in the Wesleyan tradition. This is part of who we are as the people called Methodist. Because going way back to the early days of Methodism, back in the 1740s and 50s and even later, when John Wesley and Charles Wesley would gather together groups of people who were eager to, as they said, flee from the wrath to come, who wanted to participate in spreading scriptural holiness throughout the land, they had this way of asking each other very intense spiritual questions about their thoughts, their feelings, their actions, especially what they did on behalf of people who were suffering. They took their Christian discipleship so seriously that they got very particular in examining one another's life. And so this covenant renewal service is a way for us to begin the year in the right way. Now, we were always planning in our worship planning for this Sunday, January 2nd, to include this covenant renewal. I believe, however, that there's a new kind of urgency. There's a new kind of urgency for three reasons. Let me share more. First, we are awfully exhausted and even bewildered as we continue to make our way through the COVID-19 pandemic. I know people who are trying so hard to stay healthy and to stay safe, trying to stay ahead of the curve about what to do. Along the way, we're exhausted and worn out. And we're left with so many questions about when will we get to not wear masks anymore? When will things get back to a more even keel? In the middle of so much chaos, we need some order within our life. And you know, in the book of Genesis, the story of creation begins with a vision of God bringing order where there was once chaos. And so... God seems very content with us to find order. With so much chaos in the world, this covenant renewal is a way for us to have a step forward. It's a starting point on this first Sunday of the calendar year. You and I need to hear again and again and again that we are loved that we're lovable, that we have the capacity to receive love from God, to receive love from other people, and to share love with others. It's so foundational to who we are, but in this chaotic world, that gets lost so easily. Here's the second reason why. 
we have a sense of urgency. I know people within our congregation who are suffering, who are going through very difficult times. For some of them, it's financial. It's related to work and business. For many others, it has to do with health and wellness or family members struggling with their health. Usually, there's a time during our worship service when we share prayer requests for specific needs within the congregation. I'd like to share some specific prayer requests with you right now. Ann Wilson, longtime beloved church member, leader in so many ways in our church. She's not well. She wants to be here for worship so badly, but she just can't be here this morning. And I know there are others in a similar situation. Carrie Cribbs, her mother came to visit, wanted to have two weeks of Christmas and celebrating birthday and New Year's. But Carrie Cribbs' mother suffered a stroke, and she's now in the hospital nearby. Amy Foote's mother was hospitalized, was in autumn care for a few days, and now she's home as she struggles with cancer. Susan Cooley got word recently that her mother is not well. She lives in Georgia, and Susan wants to be there, wants to be helpful, wants to be a loving, kind daughter. Bobby and Deneen Jones were looking forward to having the kids at the house for Christmas like they always do. But just a few days ago, last week, daughter Adrian suffered a blood clot, surgery, and the prognosis is not good. They could have never imagined being in the situation where they are right now just a few weeks ago. I went and visited with the family last night. We talked, we prayed. I couldn't help but notice something when I was visiting with them. The Christmas decorations were just beautiful. The Christmas tree, like it was out of a catalog, just beautiful. And under the Christmas tree were still many Christmas presents. Now keep in mind, this isn't the day before Christmas. This is a full week after Christmas. Perfectly wrapped Christmas gifts with beautiful wrapping paper, sparkling bows. Because Adrian hadn't been there yet to open them. I think that those unwrapped gifts under the Christmas tree might be emblematic of the way many of us have experienced the past several weeks. It didn't go the way we wanted, to put it simply. We weren't able to be with the people with whom we want to be there. We're still mourning the loss of loved ones. Current reality is preventing us from gathering in the ways that we want to gather We've needed to adapt and be creative with our family plans all over again. We need this covenant with God, with each other. But there's a third, third reason why I believe this is urgent for us. Past Wednesday, at the Sam Moore basketball tournament, there was a shooting and when I heard about this shooting, I, I was filled with a wide variety of emotions and questions, and perhaps you were too. 
oftentimes when there is a tragedy such as this, we naturally ask questions to find out details. We want to know details about the situation because then we feel like we have mastery over it. This is the case when we hear about a story happening several states away. But what about when it's literally in our own neighborhood? We want to know the details. Questions like, did I know anybody there? Anybody I know get hurt? Was anybody there killed? Anybody I know killed? And then other details like, well, who were the teams playing? What were the schools represented? Sometimes we ask these questions because it's our human inclination to want to distance ourselves from the pain and suffering of other people. And so the more details we know, the further we can separate ourselves and just feel better about our own life. But here's the reality, dear friends. What happened at the Goodman Gym, the people who were there, those are our people. Whether they represent the school where you attended or not, whether you live in the district or the, the parameters, it doesn't matter. Whether you know the names of all 400 people or not, those are our people. Those are our children. It breaks my heart to think about what happened that night for so many reasons. One of the reasons why? To think that there are young people in our community who are so desperate, so alone, so confused about life, that an argument would turn into gun violence. It, it saddens me tremendously to think that there are young people in our own community. Again, these, these are our kids. Young people in our community who feel so alone, who feel so disconnected, who, when they look at the world out there, they wonder if there is a place for them to such an intense degree that they look to find community in a place called a gang. It saddens me to think that young people in our community, they do the math in their head trying to figure out what the possibility of their future looks like. They're wondering if there's a chance for them to earn a decent living, to be responsible for themselves and their family. They're wondering if graduating high school is even worth it. They don't think that the possibility of going to college is for them. And so... In order to provide, they think the best chance for them is crime. Now, dear friends, it's not our place to be judgmental about this person or that person with what happened on Wednesday. That's not who we are as the church. Who we are, we're the people that bear the light of the Lord Jesus Christ in this world of darkness. In John chapter 1, we hear about this light coming into the world. 
And John, the baptizer, his job was to prepare people to experience the light so that when they experienced it, they could identify it, they could embrace it, they knew what it was, and they could feel the warmth of the light in their heart, and they could experience the light to provide guidance for their path ahead. That's our job as the church today. You and I are called to bear witness to the light of Jesus Christ in this world so that when other people experience it, they can identify it, they can claim it for themselves, they can feel its warmth, and they can provide for themselves what God gives them, guidance for their life. Here's what this means. We have an urgency for the church to be the church. I think what happened on Wednesday highlights the extreme value that the church offers the community. Put another way, this is why we place an emphasis on children in youth ministries. We don't just have gatherings and events and decorations and candy giveaways just so we have a photo op, just so we can pat ourselves on the back and feel good about having a bunch of people gathered in one place at one time like we have won. That's not what it's about. It's about young people finding community, connection, a sense of togetherness with people who genuinely care about them. No matter where they live, no matter their background. It's about young people experiencing the love of God deep in their heart so they can be assured that they are loved, that they're lovable, and that God created them to love others. Dear friends, we need to do better. And you need to be a part of it. Welcoming the young children and youth of our community, people of all backgrounds who may look different than you, who may dress differently than you do, who may live in a different part of town than you do, because these are our children. This is who we're called to be as the church. And this is why we need to enter into solemn covenant with God and with one another. Because it's only by God's grace that we can share this light with the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Christian life is redeemed from sin and consecrated to God. Through baptism, we have entered this life and have been admitted into the new covenant of which Jesus Christ is the mediator. He sealed it with his own blood that it might last forever. On the one side, God promises to give us new life in Christ, the source and perfecter of our faith. On the other side, we are pledged to live no more for ourselves, but only for Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. From time to time, we renew our covenant with God, especially when we reaffirm the baptismal covenant and gather at the Lord's table. Today, however, we meet, as generations have before us, to renew the covenant that binds us to God. Let us make this covenant of God our own. Commit yourselves to Christ as his servants. Give yourselves to him that you may belong to him. 
Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable. Others are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our own inclinations and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves, but then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. It is necessary, therefore, that we consider what it means to be a servant of Christ. Let us continue in our worship guide. Let us, therefore, go to Christ and pray. Let me be your servant under your command. I will no longer be my own. I will give up myself to your will in all things. Be satisfied that Christ shall give you your place and work. Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. Christ will be the savior of none but his servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. Christ will have no servants except by consent. Christ will not accept anything except full consent to all that he requires. Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. Confirm this by a holy covenant. To make this covenant a reality in your life, listen to these admonitions. First, set apart some time more than once to be spent alone before the Lord in seeking earnestly God's special assistance and gracious acceptance of you. In carefully thinking through all the conditions of the covenant, in searching your hearts, whether you have already freely given your life to Christ. Consider what your sins are. Consider the laws of Christ, how holy, strict, and spiritual they are, and whether you, after having carefully considered them, are willing to choose them all. Be sure you are clear in these matters. See that you do not lie to God. Second, be serious and in a spirit of holy awe and reverence. Third, Claim God's covenant. Rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength so you can keep your promise. Trust not in your own strength and power. Fourth, resolve to be faithful. You have given to the Lord your hearts. You have opened your mouths to the Lord, and you have dedicated yourself to God. With God's power, never go back. And last, be then prepared to renew your covenant with the Lord. Fall down on your knees, lift your hands toward heaven, open your hearts to the Lord as we pray. O righteous God, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, see me as I fall down before you. Forgive my unfaithfulness in not having done your will, for you have promised mercy to me if I turn to you with my whole heart. God requires that you shall put away all your idols. I hear from the bottom of my heart, renounce them all, covenanting with you that no known sin shall be allowed in my life. Against your will, I have turned my love toward the world. In your power, I will watch all temptations that will lead me away from you. For my own righteousness is riddled with sin. 
unable to stand before you. Through Christ, God has offered to be your God again if you would let him. Before all heaven and earth, I here acknowledge you as my Lord and God. I take you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for my portion, and vow to give up myself, body and soul, as your servant, to serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. God has given the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way and means of coming to God. Jesus, I do here on bended knees accept Christ as the only new and living way, and sincerely join myself in a covenant with him. O blessed Jesus, I come to you, hungry, sinful, miserable, blind, and naked, unworthy even to wash the feet of your servants. I do here with all my power accept you as my Lord and head. I renounce my own worthiness and vow that you are the Lord, my righteousness. I renounce my own wisdom and take you for my only God. I renounce my own will and take your will as my law. Christ has told you that you must suffer with him. I do here covenant with you, O Christ. I take my lot with you as it may fall. Through your grace, I promise that neither life nor death shall part me from you. God has given holy laws as the rule of your life. I do here willingly put my neck under your yoke to carry your burden. All your laws are holy, just, and good. I therefore take them as the rule for my words, thoughts, and actions, promising that I will strive to order my whole life according to your direction, and not allow myself to neglect anything I know to be my duty. The Almighty God searches and knows your heart. O oh God, you know that I make this covenant with you today without guile or reservation. If any falsehood should be in it, guide me and help me to set it aright. And now, glory be to you, O God the Father, whom I from this day forward shall look upon as my God and Father. Glory be to you, O God the Son, who have loved me and washed me from my sins in your own blood, and now is my Savior and Redeemer. Glory be to you, O God the Holy Spirit, who by your almighty power have turned my heart from sin to God. O mighty God, the Lord Omnipotent, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have now become my covenant friend, and I, through your infinite grace, have become your covenant servant. So be it, and let the covenant I have made on earth be ratified in heaven. Amen. You are advised to make this covenant not only in your heart, but in word. Not only in word, but in writing. Therefore, with all reverence, lay the service before the Lord as your act and deed. And when you have done this, sign it. Then keep it as a reminder of the holy agreement between God and you, that you may remember it during doubts and temptations. 
Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we ask that you would rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to share us with your friends. For more information about FUMC and our mission to make and nurture Christian disciples through the presence and power of God, we invite you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and please visit our website at fumcsalisbury.org.